there's no way you can grow a business and be comfortable. Growing a business is not comfortable. There are going to be times when things get out of shape. And when things get out of shape, you got to deal with it. This is your favorite song? <laughs> yeah. Since when? Since the second. Okay. <laughs> well. It gets better as it goes into the song. I he builds it up. believe you, and we might come back to it, <laughs> but I don't want to listen anymore okay. to any more of it. I'm surprised. I thought you would give me a jazz song. Well, that's gospel. It's bluesy gospel. That's a relative of jazz. Sure. Okay. We are here with Barney Cohen. <clears throat> Barney is, geez, how do I describe Barney? Barney is. Barney has a different favorite song every minute. Whenever you ask him what his So if song you is. ask me that question again, in two or three minutes, there will be a different favorite song. Okay. Well, Barney is fickle when it comes to music because he has a lot of experience in the music <clears throat> world, um, which I want to talk about. But I also want to say, Barney, you are. I, I, I mean, you were the beginning of my small business entrepreneur journey, and you're my business mentor. Um, and also, I don't know. I mean, you, I feel like you've played a really large part in my journey of going from working for someone else to working for myself. Um, and you do that for lots of people. I do. Sort of what your job is now. That's what I'm doing, right? I'm, yeah. I'm spending my time. I say that I help people who want to grow their business. Yeah, and you do that through like talking to them, consulting, support I, I, groups. I talk and I, I spend a lot of time talking for free. I also charge with business support groups and I work one-on-one -on -one with people who really want me to roll up their sleeves and help them get something going and growing. Yeah. Is I'm a specialist in growing businesses. And you're really, he's really good at it. And you're I'm really, really good, good at, at it. it. I am. Yeah. So tell us how did, let's do your, you know, one minute bio. One minute. One to two minute bio. Okay, well my one to two minute business bio, mm -hmm. I got a lot of good learning when I was in junior high school and high school working in jobs. Didn't really understand at that point in time that I was preparing myself for a lifetime career. It's funny how things like that work out. But uh, in, early, in my early 20s, I opened up a record store in Woodland, California. That was 1973. And um, I... Uh, owned and operated record stores for about 11 years, and I sold, I had four by 1984, and I sold them all, and I used the proceeds to start a company that became known as Valley Media, and uh, that was a wholesale distribution company. We bought pre-recorded music from the major suppliers like Warner's and Sony and every other supplier, small and medium-sized suppliers as well, and uh, I sold those uh, those to retail uh, stores or to libraries or to anybody that wanted to buy pre-recorded music wholesale. Uh, I built a very large company, large by my standards. We had uh, just short of a billion dollars in sales by 1999. Uh, in I one year. That was... A billion dollars of sales in one year. Mm -hmm. So I went from zero to a billion in 13 years. It's easier to say that way, but really it was about 970 million was our best This is year. a point that we get hung up on a lot yeah. when we're talking about Barney. Uh, 
And uh, I took the company public in 1999, me and my, uh, my management team. Uh, and at that point in time, I stopped working in the business, and I was no longer uh, a part of the business. I, I had a successful IPO, and I feel really good about uh, the career. Uh, since that time, um, well, the, the company that I took public fell on hard times because every one of our customers started going bankrupt. And, uh, yeah, because the music industry went the music, through. It, music, and we also sold video, pre-recorded video, pre-recorded music. They just became dinosaurs, and uh, and retail record stores just could not uh, make it unless they shifted to something else. What did so, that feel like after you took the company public, sort of stepped away, and then over the next period of time, you obviously were keeping up with how they were doing and watching them? face these challenges and well there were two horrible things as far as i'm concerned one was to watch the industry that i cared so much about and i felt like i was really an integral part of just collapse and fall apart uh we just lost our uh, ability to to function because the the main way that we got music to the market was to put it on something physical and sell the physical thing Uh, and then on top of that i saw my company go down uh and our issues weren't entirely the issues of the marketplace, although there certainly was a lot of linkage. So, yeah, it was hard. I didn't like it. It's like watching your baby. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like watching your baby get hurt and die. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's just, but this is the way life is. I mean, there's uh, uh, one of the things I learned in uh, when I went back to get an executive MBA at Harvard, I, I learned about product life cycles and uh, the... The uh, product life cycle for uh, an LP or a cassette or a CD, it's basically over. Uh, LPs today are a specialty item, and it's not clear whether they have a life. Hmm. But for the moment, we are selling some LPs. Yeah. And one of your biggest clients during this time was Amazon. Right. Uh, When Amazon decided to start selling something besides books, they settled on records. I'd like to think that I had something to do with them making that choice, but I have no way to prove that. Um, They uh, did contact me, and uh, they uh, started buying all their product from me. They they were, at that time, they were not buying directly from the manufacturers. They were buying through middlemen. So I was their source for uh, every piece of musical product that they sold for the first, I guess, about four years that they were selling music. And when we went public in 1999, they were my largest customer. You tell a story, you tell it, but I'm going to remind you which one it is, about how you called them like once a week for six months or something, trying to convince them to start. I didn't even get that far. I, I would, I called once a week, uh, and it wasn't quite for six months, uh, to Jeff Bezos' office, and I could never get him to take my call. So he doesn't know who I am. Uh, I, at least I don't think he does. If he does, I would be surprised. And, um, and uh, he, he never took my call. Uh, and so uh, one day I came to work, and one of the gals who was uh, working for me in, uh, in my uh, order area came running in. She said, look, 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 we just got an order from Amazon. And, and I don't know whether there's any linkage between me making those calls and us getting the order or whether it was just one of those things that just happened. Uh, I, I love that story because I think as business owners, there are so many things that like you do because you're trying to grow your business and you don't know if it's working or not. You, you can't always tell. 
Although I, I do believe that the, the world works in a certain kind of way, and I believe everyone talks about the importance of being lucky and being good, and you know what part of your success is luck and what part of your success is you know, being talented or being really good at what you do. And I think there's a very um, uh, inter intertwined relationship between those the two things. If you do really good work, I think you sort of make your own luck. And, uh, <laughs> and, and, and I think being lucky sort of, at least what it did for me, is it pushed me to do more good work. Uh, one thing I noticed was that every time I went out to market, my sales went up. It's amazing. I mean, you think, you, you know, that's the way it's supposed to work, but a lot of people don't see the connection. They don't understand the connection between marketing and sales. And um, uh, there's, a, there's a knack to it. There, you know, there's, a, there's a, a rhythm to it that a lot of people don't really understand. Um, um, but for instance, when I decided to start selling libraries, it was on one of my trips up to Seattle uh, where I was visiting Amazon that I called on the Seattle Public Library and uh, they were buying all their music from some place else and libraries weren't really on our radar then. Somebody just said, well, you know, the Seattle Library sells a lot of music and I go, hmm, why aren't they buying from us? And I went and called on them and uh, within a couple uh, months they were our largest library account and, and uh, they spearheaded our uh, uh, effort to get into the library business and we became a successful supplier to libraries as well. Yeah, I think that's really, I don't know, it's, it's a good thing to remember because I think a lot of times we will create these marketing plans and we'll create these ideas of how we think it's going to work and where we think that our next sale is going to come from and it's in going after that next sale that we actually find, maybe it's that person that we thought we were going after or maybe it's someone else that we bump into along the way, but just doing the work is what mm -hmm. gets you the business a lot of times it's not like the plan doesn't work out the way you think it's going to but it's putting yourself out there and doing the work that results in your business growing yeah i mean a business plan is is it's a nice thing for helping you get centered but if you believe that you're going to end up exactly where that business plan describes you're kidding yourself because it never works out that way you always end up somewhere a little different than where you expect and the good opportunities are never quite where you think they are either. I just gave an example of bumping into an opportunity out when I was out, you know, in the field, uh, you know, <laughs> wandering around the streets of Seattle, uh, thinking about things, and somebody just mentioned the Seattle Public Library. I can't tell you the number of accounts we've picked up just because we had our eyes and ears open and were looking for opportunities. So I'm not sure this is what you want to talk about for the hour, but the the most important piece of growing a business is your attitude. If you have an attitude that your business can and should grow, that's the key ingredient for the growth. If you don't have that attitude, then the business is not going to grow. And if you do have that attitude, then you can uh, probably grow your business to whatever is reasonable. Yeah, I think that's so that I'm going to make a point about your point and then I'm going to bring us around to what I want to talk about. Okay. <laughs> um, my point to your point is I think that's people, I think one of the questions that you get a lot and that I hear being asked a lot is what makes a successful business owner, what makes a successful entrepreneur, startup owner, whatever it is. Um, and I don't know. I mean, there's lots of things that make successful people, I guess. But um, one of the things that I've noticed is it's those people who are so sure that they're going to succeed that 
when you talk to them, they're like, oh yeah, we're going to grow this business and this is how, you know, it's going to be this big and we're going to do it. And they just have this confidence that it's going to happen. And they very rarely know how it's going to happen or can explain to you, you know, like, oh, here's the data proving that it's going to happen. I, but they just are super confident I, that it's going to. I used to ask almost every employee, almost every day, uh, what do we have to do to double sales? And, you know, employees who had heard that from me over and over again for years would roll their eyes. And I'd go, don't roll your eyes at me. I mean it. What can we do to double our sales? And uh, it, it became a thing in my company where, you know, everybody said, well, this is Barney. This is what he wants to do. He wants to double sales. But we double our sales every year for 13 years. Something that, in theory, shouldn't have, we shouldn't have been able to do. I mean, if you if you think about how hard that is, particularly in a mature industry where you have competitors, how are you doubling your sales? You know, going from 1 million to 2 million is one thing, but going from 100 million to 200 million, you know, that's something entirely different. And um, it's it's an attitude. It, you've got to believe that those sales are out there and you've got to believe that you deserve them. And um, and maybe that's part of what I like about that yeah. song, because the punchline is call them up and tell them what you want. I really, I, I really believe that if you just call up, it doesn't have to be Jesus. It could be, you know, God or the world or the universe, whoever, <laughs> and tell them what you want. I think that's a big part of succeeding. Yeah, you're, you know, you're surprisingly like new agey for, for someone of your of your experience and wisdom um i lived in santa fe for 12 years a a certain amount of it seeped in yeah so i think one of the greatest saboteurs of that confidence and that belief in yourself when it comes to running a business is um the loneliness that can creep in the low and this is something that you've talked about a lot and it always resonates with me Um, as a human, but also as someone who's, I've gone the freelance route, we've done the small business route. Um, You know, we're entrepreneurs in several senses of the word, I guess. But anytime you're trying to start something new and trying to do something that's not the norm, I think there's a sense of loneliness that can set in. And I I think there's a lot of like aspects to it. And that's what I really want to talk about today. So tell me, what do you mean? Tell me what it, talk to me about it. Just talk to me. Just talk to you about it. well, I'm pretty aware of that that kind of loneliness, and it, and it's something that I've experienced plenty of times. I was talking earlier, I think, with you all about um, the Myers Briggs and the difference between an introvert and an extrovert. Uh, a lot of business owners are introverts, and uh, and a lot of CEOs are introverts. And I think one of the reasons why is that it is lonely and I think introverts are a little better at handling loneliness than extroverts because introverts are used to the idea that they're a little different and that they are going to be alone or they're aware of their aloneness and uh, and and so in, in my case uh, you know my best friend is me and I, you know I don't want that to, to, to sound weird or but, sad or lonely <laughs> but from a very early age, I just got used to talking to myself. And, and I think, you know, I've compared notes with a lot of other introverts along the way in my, uh, in my whole life. And a lot of introverts do this. They, they, they talk to themselves. Uh, and they have conversations with themselves or, or with themselves. Or, uh, you know, you asked me what my favorite song is. I have conversations with the songs. You know, I, I pretend that I'm talking to Ry Cooter about that song. I don't know Ry Cooter. I've never met Ry Cooter. But uh, I, I feel like 
I know him, and I, I feel like that song says something uh, to me. And um, by the way, it's a, it's a, that song is a well-known song, and it's, a, it's sort of a gospel standard. What's it called again? Jesus on the Main Line. Jesus, that, that was our intro song, Jesus on the Main Line by Ryan Cooter, which is Barney's favorite song five oh, the, minutes ago. Yeah, <laughs> or ten minutes ago now. Ten minutes ago. Uh, all I was trying to say is a lot of people have done that song. Uh, so this version is a stylized version that is, is unique to Ryan Cooter. It's, uh, a lot of times when you hear this song, it, it's more of... That's sort of a standard gospel song and not a bluesy kind of uh, a rhythm and blues kind of um, and he put, has a horn section in there has a little New Orleans feel it's really uh, it, 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 it's a nice rendition uh, anyway uh, I do a lot of work with entrepreneurs and what I notice a lot is uh, that probably the most common complaint that a business owner has when they find me is I am overwhelmed I just have so much going on. And uh, this is particularly true for a company that's growing because a growing business has the normal amount of problems of any business. You know, every business has a certain number of problems. Customers that complain, vendors that don't deliver on time, employees that don't show up for work on time, on and on. The kind of problems that we run into running a business. If you have a growing business, you have all those problems plus because you have that pressure of growth. And so uh, it, it, can, it, can, it can produce a feeling like, oh my God, how am I going to get everything done? Or I'm just running around like a chicken with my head cut off. Or uh, my favorite way of saying it, because I've heard this a couple times, is I w- came to work in the morning. I had this long to-do list. I worked my butt off. I crossed off about 30 things. At the end of the day, my to-do list was bigger than what it was when I started the day. And th- that's a tough feeling. And, and, and if you own a business, where do you go with that feeling? Who do you talk to about that? Mm-hmm. feeling how do you get a handle on that and uh i think there's only one answer and that is you got to talk to somebody if you try and keep it all in uh, uh in in yourself uh at some at some point you're just going to absorb t- too much stress i mean it's it's really stressful so talk to yourself talk to a song <laughs> I, I, yeah that gets people. you that gets you so far but i mean uh at some point it really helps to have other people talking to you too. And, I, and looking back on my business career, I realized that I had selected a, a fair number of people to help me or work with me along the way. Today, we might call these people mentors. I didn't really use that word back then. And I, I didn't think that's quite what I was doing. Uh, but it's an okay word or an okay concept. But people who would guide me, advise me, give me feedback, um, uh, and I found that people were, were pretty willing to do it. If you just call somebody and say, I want to talk to you about something, what I discovered is that, is that uh, the vast majority of people that I reached out to uh, with, with a request like that would go, of, of course, sure. Uh, particularly Were people. these people like friends and family, wives? Some, but, but you know, I'm thinking more like vendors, like the vendors love me because every time they turn around, my orders got bigger. Uh, and, and my customers love me because I did a really good job. And both those groups, my vendors and my customers, uh, loved it if I 
if I said to them, hey, let's get together and, and, and chat about something, or I have a, a problem, I'd love to run it by you. I, I, I almost always met with uh, you know, a, a welcoming response. I, I can't remember somebody that blew me off and said, no, I'm not going to talk to you. I, I, don't, I, I, I just never got that. Do you remember, can you like think of an example when you were in business where that feeling of being overwhelmed and a bit isolated and not knowing who to talk to, maybe, and maybe you ended up calling one of these vendors or customers to talk to, but. Well, generally it was around um, something that I was trying to deal with and I didn't know where to turn. So I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, when I started my wholesale business, I, my experience up to that point in time was I was a, a owner of retail stores. And so uh, I didn't ever give credit. I mean, it was uh, not, not because I didn't want to, or maybe somebody had asked, but, but in general, uh, there, there is no credit in a retail situation. Somebody walks into your store and they either give you cash or write a check. This, I mean, I started my store before there were credit cards and credit cards just started when, when I was in retail and uh, we took credit cards right at the end too. I mean, uh, but there's no credit in, involved there. And uh, then when I went to wholesale, credit is standard. Most people buying from a wholesaler w w expect to be able to get an open account and and to pay once a month when the bills do. So everything you buy in, you know, it's May this month. Everything you buy in May, you send them a bill and it's due June 10th or whatever. And... Um, and I realized I didn't know anything about it. And uh, I, I decided to call up my, uh, the credit manager of my largest supplier, Warner Brothers. And, uh, and, and I knew him pretty well because every time, uh, every time he turned around, I was asking for a bigger credit line. So, <laughs> uh, uh, so he knew me pretty well. All of the major suppliers, credit managers knew me well. Um, and I just asked him if he would be willing to give me some pointers about how to set up credit systems and 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 and, and do that as a wholesaler. And uh, he was very willing to do that. And uh, and I was willing to listen to him. And I just um, I took his advice word for word. And we never had bad debt. I mean, we just we always collected our bills. We never had any problem collecting our bills because I stopped and took the time to figure it out right at the very beginning, which is another lesson. <laughs> has nothing to do with loneliness. This has to, this has to do with how you uh, plan to do things in a business. Uh, but I think one of the things that makes you lonely is, um, is when you're trying to do stuff and you're not very good at it and you start banging your head against the wall uh, and, and, and doing things that are unproductive, that that produces a pretty bad feeling inside. You know you're screwing up. You know you're not getting great result, and it's a that's a bad feeling. And uh, you know, I use the word loneliness to encompass a whole bunch of things. And so, what we're talking about now might technically be something a little different than loneliness. What is it? Tell me what all it but, encompasses for you. But it, but it gets to a place where you feel bad, and I think that's what loneliness is. You feel bad about being alone. And I, and I think that's a, a, a problem for business owners. So if you have um, a really good day at work, who do you tell? If you have a really bad day at work, who do you tell? How many people in your life are as interested in, uh, in your business as you? Right. <laughs> and, 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 and so, uh, you know, the, 
the fact that you've started a business already puts you in a very small group. Of all the people in the United States, how many people start businesses? Well, it can't be any more than, you know, at the most 10%. I mean, I think it's got to be less than that. People who would start a business. And then how many people in your life, if you are a person who started a business, care about it? Uh, in, in fact, they might care the other way. You know, if you're, like, if you're married, your spouse might resent the amount of time the business takes. Uh, if you're, you know, a, a customer or an employee or a vendor, you, you can't talk to them about a lot of things because it's just not appropriate. Uh, yeah. You don't want to tell an employee that you're worried that you can't make payroll next week. Right. <laughs> that's not good for morale. <laughs> right. Yeah. I think that's one thing when I started my business or when I honestly just decided that I wasn't going to be working at a, a quote real job anymore. Um, it was almost like I threw this gauntlet down in front of my friends and family and said like, I'm going to make it like, I'm going to do this thing on my own. And I think there was definitely part of my, especially parents who were like, she's going to come back and ask for money and ask for help. And, you know, so it was like this gauntlet I'd thrown down and when things did get hard, cause they do. And when things did get scary, cause they do and overwhelming cause they almost always are. Um, I have a very, I have very supportive friends and family, but it was still hard to go talk to them because there was this like certain level of like, uh-huh, see, I told you so. Um, especially when I was first getting started and hadn't really proved that I could do anything yet. So I think at the very beginning, there's even this like idea that you kind of have to prove that you have to like maintain this, I, this facade <laughs> almost, almost that you know what you're doing. You have to pretend. Yeah. yeah. And it's really isolating and it's really... And do your family and friends really want you to succeed? You know, that's not a throwaway question. And it, it, it's not a meaningless question. Uh, I, I think there's an awful lot of people that like things the way they are. They don't want to see change. A lot of people aren't, aren't welcoming of change. And so if you step out of your uh, routines and you start doing something different from your friends, uh, go down a different path, um, that that's going to set you apart and that's where this loneliness comes from is is you you are doing something separate and different um the 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 rhythms are really different when you own a business sometimes you work till 10 or 12 at night sometimes you work on the weekends uh sometimes you do something in a day you don't really want to be doing uh, uh, sometimes your days get turned upside down because of, and we can fill them in the blank with almost anything. You know, a customer calls up in a panic, or I mean, we go on and on, you know, or right. your key employee doesn't come to work. Or we, we, and uh, I know those kinds of things happen at corporate jobs, too. Like, I, I have my friends that work for other people at corporate jobs, and they, you know, will come to me and be like, oh, I had the worst day at work, blah, blah, blah. But when when the boss is being a real bitch at work, you can complain to your other coworkers about it. A real what? a real pain um, at work, you can you, complain about it. You use the gender specific term. I did. You're right. When your boss is being a real, Will's going to have to like bark all of this out later when we're post editing. Um, we use dog sounds to cover, to cover the language that we don't think our mothers should hear us using. Okay. Um, but when that's happening at work and you work with a team, you get to, complain to your team about it like you you almost have like a little your brothers in arms like going through the trenches together and when things get real hard in your your own business owner you are the boss like <laughs> there's no one to complain to about how hard things are because it's all on you like the buck stops and ends with you so it's yeah it can be really like how do you get out your frustration and your anger and your you know frust like stress about what's going on that day you can't 
There's no one to complain to. Right. And it's all your fault. Uh, exactly. So I, I, I teach this class called the Business Tune-Up, and I get to this point in the class uh, where I make the comment, uh, everything that you do that's a success, it's your fault. And the people in the class will look at me and go, Huh? <laughs> what, what is he getting at here? And then they get it because the opposite is true, too. Everything that goes wrong in your business is your fault, even if you didn't do it. And the only way you can possibly succeed in business is you've got to get that inside of you. You've got to internalize that and believe that. Everything in this business you are responsible for. It's Every success is your fault and every failure is your fault. And when you've done anything in your business that has a consequence that needs some kind of action, then you're the one who's responsible for taking care of it. And often that means cleaning up messes, uh, and sometimes they're really uncomfortable messes. Uh, that, that's not the case when you work for somebody else. You pass that up uh, in a big corporation. And a lot of times big corporations, it, you know, that kind of responsibility just sort of disappears into the <laughs> corporate <laughs> ether. You know, uh, it, it doesn't get all the way to the top and it gets shuffled around. And Send nobody it to takes Pam it. and HR. Yeah, let HR deal with it. Pam will uh, deal with it. Yeah. And um, uh, so when I, I, I have to tell you, I do admire corporations who will take responsibility for things that don't happen uh, uh, you know, according to planner, the way they like, and I have scorn for corporations that will not take responsibility for their own stuff. So, um, and I use there's lots of examples of that. I, I, I hate giving, I hate calling people out, but I'll give an example of something I thought was handled really well, and that was the uh, Starbucks incident in Philadelphia where. Uh, two black guys were sitting in uh, a Starbucks and they hadn't ordered anything and the manager asked them to leave and it, it became a national incident uh, and it was just a symbol of racism and uh, and, and I wasn't there so I, I, I can't tell about the tone of voice uh, and I do have some sympathy for Starbucks because they do have stores where people come and hang out and, and cause problems they don't order anything and they they um they, they you know take up too much space yeah, it's actually really <laughs> common in seattle <laughs> uh, uh but instead of letting the, the story fester and produce tons of bad publicity within an extremely short period of time they said that uh, they a number one admitted that they made a mistake b they said uh we do have a policy of asking people to leave and we can see how uh, that has turned into this bad PR incident, and we don't like that. And we we think that one of the things we have to do to fix it is to uh, is to have an an awareness day. And so we're going to shut every uh, coffee shop <laughs> in the whole country down for a day, and we're going to train about gender diversity and race diversity, and 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 go over and roll out a new policy uh, of of being kinder and and gentler. Uh, and they had media covering that instead of right. <laughs> uh, media covering, you know, all the... Um, right. I know a uh, lot of people felt like the, you know, the one-day training wasn't enough, but I do think Starbucks, my understanding was that they did create new policies that they've been implementing they and rolling out and making a good bit of effort towards making sure that that doesn't happen again or at least trying to have more <clears throat> tabs on what... I, I've never, you know, I don't know anybody personally in Starbucks 
you know, executive team and the only Starbucks people I know are the, you know, the baristas at my local Starbucks store uh, and the manager there. But um, I, I know more about Starbucks than the average company because they're based here in Seattle and they get a lot of press. Right. Which oh, yeah. they, they should. Yeah, because they have great coffee and a great there me and me and will joke that our, we have a co-working membership to starbucks because <laughs> when we travel a lot and even in different countries there's always a starbucks so we know we can go somewhere and get good wi-fi and good coffee good, good. food and right. sit and there for, for a while the, and be uninterrupted the good wi-fi is probably more important than the good coffee but by and large yeah i mean yeah. we would get better coffee in you know spain like not at starbucks but we don't get good wi-fi so we still go to starbucks yeah. um so I want to get one thing you said that I had never really thought about, but it's so true. I've experienced it. I've just never expressed it in words is when you're a small business owner or an entrepreneur, you do have different schedules than everyone else. Different schedules. And sure. a lot of times you don't, we, we work remotely. And so I feel like our friends and family think that means like we don't really work or like we can just come hang out with, like if we're in town, that means we can hang out with them during the day. And if we're, you know, if they're having like a trip, um, then we don't have to ask for PTO or for vacation. So of course we can be there. It's easy for us. And that's been like a real struggle point for us is trying to find the balance between, yeah, like part of the reason we did this is because we wanted to be able to control our own schedules more and be available for our friends and family when we could be things like that. But we can't, you know, but also we have to communicate to people like, I get that I'm in town and you want to see me, but I can't just take four days off because I'm here and well, hang out with you. One of the reasons why I think it's important to grow, a lot of people who start businesses, most people who start businesses fail. And, uh, and you know, it's just sort of a truism and, uh, and everyone just says, oh yeah, it's really hard and most businesses fail in the first year, et cetera, et cetera. The, uh, but I think a lot of people don't really um, to dig into you know what the failure is all about. It's not because you're stupid, and it's not because you're not willing to work hard, uh, but it's it's really hard to be a solopreneur. It's you have to do everything, and that's not a reasonable thing to ask of a human. Uh, people are not good at everything, and the, the, when you hang out a shingle that says you're in business, you imply that you're going to do everything well because you're going to get paid for doing what you do. But there's going to be some things that you need to do to get a job done for a customer that you may not be so good at. And then uh, how, how do you get that done? And the only r real good answer for that is you've got to grow to the business to the point where you can have enough people in the business that you can spread the work out. Now, you can, you can get partway there as a small business owner by using contractors. Uh, but there's a there's a real difference between contractors and employees. Uh, uh, it's 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 nice for a business to know that they can count on someone showing up for work and being there to roll up their sleeves and and do some of the heavy lifting, and uh, that you don't get with contractors. Contractors just go by the project, and it's much more defined. And contractors work on their own schedule as well. Mm -hmm. uh, the 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 the. Uh, so, so I think that I talked earlier about one of the things that creates a, a loneliness or a bad feeling is if you do something and you don't do it w well. Well, that's more likely to happen as a very young business than a, a business that's a little more mature because by definition, you're going to be trying to do everything as a solopreneur and some of the things you're going to do, you aren't going to be very good at. Uh, and so you've got to f figure out a way to, well, am I, am I going to do it and just accept the fact that I'm not really good at it? 
or am I going to hire someone else? But that takes a kind of forethought and planning that, that a lot of us don't have the, either the skill for or the time for. It, yeah, and most of us, well, most of my friends who are also entrepreneurs today, we got started by just saying we could do something and then figuring it out. Very few people I know went into business with like a very clear idea of exactly what they were going to be selling and knew exactly how they were going to produce it and knew exactly how that process was going to work between them and the customer. Most people I knew talked to someone and that person needed something and they were like, I think I can do that. Okay, I can do that. Like, and then they would sort of figure it out. And that's a great way to start, I think. I, I think sometimes it's maybe the only way to start in some cases, but it's not, you can't grow that way. Like if you keep just taking on work and figuring out how to do it, you stay really stuck in that place. Uh, yeah, you you got to get beyond that. I I describe the, uh, the 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 difficulty of being a small business owner by uh, using my hand to create an oscillating wave. You know, mm-hmm. we're just talking, so you can't see it, but uh, it's um, I, I try to describe the pattern of a small business owner who works hard to get a job. Uh, and so you do, you do some marketing and then you do some sales and you get a, you get an order and you say, hey, great, now you gotta stop and fill the order. Or while you're stopping and filling the order, you're not marketing and you're not selling. So when the order's filled and you get paid, well, you got some money in the bank, but you don't have another job. And so you've gotta stop and go out and do some marketing and go out and make a sale and get another order. And it creates a kind of roller coaster or up and, up and down effect that's really destructive for small businesses. Right. And, and I was talking about, again, the loneliness. That, when you get into a destructive pattern and you're working by yourself, it's really, really hard. Uh, it, 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 it's hard to get out of that. You, you can't tell how you got into it exactly, and you don't know how to get out of it, and yet it's a destructive pattern. And I see that as a really common problem in small businesses. Right. That's one thing that we've learned a lot, even like very recently in our business, is how important routines are. Because even though we do, I mean, we have several contractors and stuff, but it's primarily just the two of us. Um, and it's really easy when it's just the two of you to say, oh, I'm going to just work whenever I wake up or oh, I'm going to, you know, take this day off or, oh, well, so, and don't get me wrong. We still do a lot of, oh, so-and-such is getting married. I'm going to take the weekend and, you know, take a few days on either end and go to the wet, you know, stuff like that. But it, it was really hard for us to get when we were first starting off, getting a good routine, um, because of a lot of reasons, but one of the big reasons was it was really hard to explain to our friends and family that just because I don't have to go to an office every day, that doesn't mean that I can do whatever, that I can come hang out, get lunch, you know, do whatever it is that they think we should be able to do because we own our own business. I'm like, yes, but that also means we don't get a paycheck unless we make it. So it's been like a really interesting, I think, learning curve for us. And it's, it, it gets really hard to get into those routines and stop those destructive cycles that you were talking about. So all that to say, if there's someone out there who is most of most people are that we're talking to who are listening to us, all of our fans, all of our mini fans are probably in the small business, like earlier stages, startup sort of phase of their business. What's in there if they're feeling this loneliness and feeling this whole like, ah, who do I talk to about my problems? Like my life is different than other people's and I don't know how to, you know, find community. What do you, what's your recommendation? What do you do? Uh, if they're not me. Yeah. Yeah. If they're not me, have them call me up. Since they're probably yeah. not you. Yeah. The, I, I, I talk to people and 
anybody that's got a cool idea, I like talking to. So I'd be happy to have anybody, you know, reach out to me. The easiest way to find me is by email. And, uh, or somebody like me. There's a whole bunch of programs everywhere. In Seattle, there's three or four good incubator kind of programs or programs that are designed to help people that are getting started in business. Everybody's got a little different angle. A lot of the programs that I've seen are more... Um, uh, results oriented and what you're talking about now is the feelings mm-hmm. uh, and uh, the, uh, I, I, I think I, I would not suggest that uh, you, you need to go see a mental health counselor this is not this feeling of loneliness is not a mental condition that is you know a problem that needs counseling or therapy it's just goes with the territory it's it's it, it's part of being a business owner of being there's an attitude about being an adult uh, that I'm not sure everybody has which is I'm 100% responsible for my life I see lots of examples of people blaming other people for their problems or wishing the government would come in and take care of something as opposed to thinking well I'll just take care of it myself in business, it's like the ultimate, you know, libertarian situation. You're you're on your own in a business, and the I think uh, you had mentioned earlier something about the pioneers and how tough it was to be a pioneer and uh, all the hardships and the loneliness and 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 you're out there on your own. And I don't think these people really thought they had to do it by themselves. I don't think they went out on their journey on the Oregon Trail or any of these places yeah, they as went a single caravans, person. Right? Huh? They went in caravans. They went in caravans and they helped each other out. And I, 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 think, I think the key to dealing with the, the, the feeling of loneliness in business is to, is to surround yourself with, with people that you can share stuff with. Uh, and it may be a group of people. I don't think you can count on one person being... The, uh, somebody who can listen to all your stuff. Um, what if about, you're if you're in a committed relationship, so you're. That's what I was going to ask. What yeah. about spouses? If you're in a committed relationship, partners, uh, it's very hard to uh, to for me to to see how you can have a business and not have a supportive spouse. So, the uh, you know I would look to there for that that kind of nurturing that I think some people need but it's not it's, it's the loneliness isn't just the, res, the correct response isn't just nurturing sometimes what you want is god i just wish someone would do this for me i, mean, I, I don't know how to do this i wish somebody would uh, you know i i type in my password into google and it won't take it and i go god i wish someone would just come do this I, you know and i don't know if loneliness is exactly the right word or the right concept for what i'm talking about but it's just um you, you need support, and the support comes in a lot of different ways. Yeah. Okay, personal question. Did you, when you were starting your business and starting your various different businesses, how much did you talk to your wife about it? Like, what was, was she pretty hands-on with, you know, talking you through this stuff, or was she more? Well, she was not hands-on in my business. She was supportive. I mean, she got right away that our paychecks were coming from my business, and so... We needed to make this work. Uh, I had asked her to do things to support me, and she did those things willingly. Uh, but uh, she wasn't a, a good one for 
uh, 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 like emotional support when I had a big problem. She didn't want to hear that. I mean, she didn't want to talk about that. So I had to go somewhere else for that. Uh, and, and that's, I think, the point I was trying to make. No matter who you have in your life, I, I don't think you can count on one single person to fill all the gaps. <laughs> yeah, I think that's really wise. It, Will, Will and I are married, and we own our business together. So, I mean, if anyone understands what we're going through, it's each other. But even so, there are things where, like, we're just not the right people to be talking to. Like we need other people to be talking with or venting to or, you know, trying to get ideas from. And it's really, I think a lot of people feel like their spouse should be the person that can, whether they're business owners or not, but let's just stick with business owners. Their spouse should be the person who can hear them and provide that support and provide that encouragement and that oomph they need to keep going. And I mean, hopefully your spouse is supportive or your partner or your whatever your like whatever you consider to be your family, whoever those people are, hopefully they are supportive. Um, but just because they're supportive doesn't mean they can be the people to really get you through it all the time. Well, I think it's really good that you come to that realization now. <laughs> uh, you're very wise. Yeah. You, you, you will have a, a much better life and relationship because of it. And because of, you know, it's, it's hard when you place unreasonable expectations on somebody else. Uh, and, and and it can get overwhelming. So if you get overwhelmed, then do you project that overwhelming feeling out to other people? And the answer is you probably do. And uh, and then other people sort of take it on. Yeah, and that's you know if you, if you do have a partner in your business, then if you're overwhelmed, the the last thing you want is your partner being overwhelmed too. Because hopefully, if you're overwhelmed, they can pick up some of the slack and you know until you can get your head back on straight. So right. that's a lot of it is sometimes I'm like, I am in a bad mental space. And if I pull Will into this with me, nothing's going to get done today. So <laughs> that's part of, you know, the well, they, they say uh, the best marriages are when the Myers-Briggs personality temperament type is different in the two partners and uh, not necessarily opposites, but just some differences. And I'd say the same thing is true of business partners too. Because uh, generally, the, if, if, when a certain kind of person gets overwhelmed, their personality type, someone similar uh, in personality type to that, to you, would, would get overwhelmed as well. So, yeah, so hopefully you've married somebody who has a little different uh, temperament than you do. And I know you both, so I know that <laughs> that is indeed the case. And I think that serves you well in business as well. Yeah. The, the, but you need a community. So, the, I mean, the, oper the operative word here, I think, is community. You can't build a business uh, uh, in a fortress. Uh, a business is a social thing. You have vendors. You have customers. You'll have employees or contractors. Uh, and the only way to grow your business is to get more of those. Mm -hmm. uh, the, you, the only way you can grow a business is to make more sales. That means more customers. You can't do that by... Uh, you know, being behind a moat and uh, you know f fortified walls, you 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 have to be out there in the world. Um, so, yeah. So tell me, tell me about your support groups. So uh, right now I have two business support groups here in Seattle, and uh, they're getting pretty full. So I might actually do a third one. Uh, they're they're up to eight people. Uh, I, I limit it to eight people. We meet once a month. And we, we talk uh, 
it's it's very unstructured. Uh, I, I I've often thought that maybe I should give more structure to them, and every time I suggest that to the people in the group, they resist. They don't like it. So the only structure we have is that uh, whoever shows up for that meeting that day, we divide the total hours by uh, the number of people coming, and they each get. So let's say they each get a half an hour. They each get a half an hour where the where the stage is theirs, and they get to use that half an hour any way they want, which uh, can be to talk about something that's of concern to them, a problem they'd like us to help solve, or they could just tell us about their trip to New Orleans, or what, you know, they can they can use that half an hour any way they want, but we take turns A, presenting, and then B, being part of the audience. Uh, commercially, these things are called peer boards, uh, and there are some fairly large companies that, that do this. Uh, I think uh, the way I do it is I mean, it's really good for the people that are in it. I, I don't charge anywhere near as much as the big commercial ones, and um, I also think I'm a better facilitator than most of the people that 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 do the big commercial ones. I know I'm doing my job well when I don't say anything for the whole meeting. If I don't say anything for the whole meeting and, and it just keeps rolling along, I know that I've really accomplished what I've set out to do, which is instead of people coming to just get my input, they they they're using the whole group, right? And uh, and that's something I monitor. How much talking am I doing? Because I'm doing a lot of the talking. This group isn't working. Uh, the my offering is one meeting a month of the whole group, and then one one-on-one -on -one private meeting with each individual in the group in between. And that's when they can get time for me. And if they need more than one meeting in between meetings, I do it. I you know I'm pretty generous with my time. Right. And I feel like this is one of the one of the solutions to loneliness, to that whole I'm lonely as a business owner thing. It, it just really helps. It, it's, it's more than it solves more than loneliness. I mean, sometimes you don't see good solutions all by yourself. You have a certain way of looking at things. We um, uh, I think the term is myopia. We 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 tend to see what we expect to see. We want the world to look the way we think the world should look, and and we and and we 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 see it that way. And uh, but sometimes that's not the best way to look at it if you're a business. And by having uh, another up to eight people with, with a different pair of eyes, different pair of ears, uh, focusing on your problem, it, it's amazing. Uh, how much of a different kind of experience that is. Yeah, and so you've got two in Seattle right now, so if anyone's in Seattle and interested, that's an option. And we're starting a digital support group. I'm going I'm I'm to try doing this digitally, yeah. See, see With, or, how it goes. Or, you know, where people can be anywhere. Right. One of the virtual. nice outcomes. A virtual support group. A virtual support say. group. Uh, I'm not going to ask people to digitize themselves. Uh, the... the the, uh, one of the nice outcomes uh, of this is that you make um, seven really good, strong relationships. In general, the people that are in these groups uh, have become really friendly and really supportive of each other, and they wouldn't have met each other any other way. Right. Okay, I'm going to move into rapid-fire round. Okay. What are you reading right now? Um, Hanging Garden by Ian Rankin. Is it good? It's 
it's okay. Uh, the the uh, it's a John Rebus novel. John Rebus is a fictional detective in Edinburgh, Edinburgh, Scotland, and. Uh, I haven't gotten far enough into it to know whether it's one of the better ones in the series. I enjoy this writer a lot. He has a lot of local color. Edinburgh is one of those cities that it's, you know, nice to read about. Mm -hmm. I think it's an interesting city. Okay, what's one Uh, business book you would recommend? A business book I recommend. Well, the last one I've touched uh, was Please Understand Me, which is not really exactly a business book. It's this book about personality types and personality temperament. Uh, That's by David Kersey. Another business book I've touched uh, just recently is Business Model Generation. It's a really good book for somebody that wants to get a business started. It, it's, uh, they, they have a concept they call a canvas, which is basically just taking their idea and putting it up you know, on the wall where, you can, where everybody who's working on it can see it, and it's got parts where you can work on a, a part of the, of the canvas. It, 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 it's a really good book for, for getting a business going. What is one thing that you think every entrepreneur should do every day? Market. That good one's answer. simple. Yeah. That's, and that's probably advice you all need, and it's probably something you don't do. It's, 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 you have to market every day. You, you've got to break this pattern of up, down, up, down. I've got... I've got business. I don't have any business. I, you know, you you've got to break that. You've got to break that really on day number one. So the way you break it is you market every day and you get orders coming in all the time. Now that may be that may cause you to uh, take in more work than you can possibly deliver, <laughs> and then you go into what I call scramble mode, which is well, okay, you know, like. I've just taken on more work than I can possibly deliver. I guess I better figure it out. Uh, that's, a, that's the only way to grow a business. There's no way you can grow a business and be comfortable. Growing a business is not comfortable. There are going to be times when things get out of shape. And when they, things get out of shape, you got to deal with it. And this is a much better being out of shape than the other kind of out of shape, which is I don't have any money and I don't have any customers. I'd much rather have a little too much money and a little too few, a few too many customers than the opposite. So the solution there is start marketing all the time. Greatest professional and personal accomplishments. Well, the personal one's easy, having two children. Uh, <laughs> uh, having, raising, supporting uh, children, it's just the best. And then, and then you get grandkids. You know, if you did, if you did everything right, you end up with grandkids, <laughs> which is even fun. better. <laughs> um, greatest, you know, I don't know how to pick one thing. Uh, you know, I guess the thing that's most that raises the most eyebrows when I tell my story to someone that doesn't know me is that I took my company public. Uh, I didn't feel like the greatest achievement. Uh, um, But what gave me the most satisfaction inside was probably either listening to a great concert, and I've had so many of those. uh, You know, that's not one. You know, I just thought of, I saw Tom Waits in 1979 in San Francisco at the Great American Music Hall. It was one of the best concerts of my life. 
not just because Tom Waits was in that formative period where he was just finding his groove and uh, and he was just amazing, but it was the first uh, concert I took my dad to after I'd started my record store, and he had never heard of Tom Waits, and he had pretty much convinced himself he wasn't going to like it, and he loved him, <laughs> and and that was that was really cool. So it's those unexpected things, or another uh, another thing would be any of the two or three really big challenges I took on. Uh, I mean, the thing that led to me going public was the fact that I uh, had built a pretty good machine about doing things like, you know, shipping packages. Like, I was better at shipping packages than anybody else, uh, including, in my opinion, Amazon, and, um, and which is one of the reasons why they came to me. And, um, and uh, you know, the, the, the systems that I put together to make that happen it's a great illustration of so much of what we've talked about. Um, I didn't do the systems by myself. I had computer people that worked for me that did the computer part. I had a VP of operations that, you know, helped to design and then help us manufacture a, a, a brand new kind of sorting machine. And I mean, we just did all kinds of things that were new territory. Uh, but I was the ringleader and, you know, like I said earlier, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm the boss, so I get credit for all of it, even though, you know, so much right. of the work was done by uh, people uh, that were working with me or for me. Right. Okay, last question. Where can people connect with you, follow you? I can tell you the answer if you want. No, I, no, I know the answer to that okay. question. Uh, I have two social media platforms that I, uh, that I feed regularly. One's called Double Your Sales with Barney Cohen on Facebook. And you can find that by going to Facebook and typing, typing in Double Your Sales with Barney Cohen. And I am Barney the Business Guy on Instagram. So uh, those two things uh, are available. They're both free, so that's nice. Uh, I started a YouTube channel under Barney the Business Guy Cohen. Is that right? Barney the Business Guy Cohen. And, uh, and I'm going to start doing some podcasts. Maybe this will be the start of my podcast as well. Yeah. And... Um, so those are ways to find me for free. Uh, anyone who's in Double Your Sales with Barney Cohen, I answer questions at no charge if you email me. So If you uh, post on the Facebook group. You post on the Facebook group or, or write or my email. email. And my email is uh, barney at runmybusinessbetter.com. Perfect. So either one of those things will, will get a response from me. Okay. I feel like that's it. We're going we're gonna to listen to some more. Call up Jesus on the hotline. Yeah. Main yeah. line. <laughs> play the song in, in uh, you know, play more than a 30-second intro. It's a good song. Okay.
Oh, oh.